0: Yeah, because <laughs> I never know when it's going to be a good yeah. time. And so I just buffer. And I was like, ooh, we're talking about Lorcana. This might be a great segue. And then you started playing music. I'm like, well, okay. We're just going to wait a little bit longer.
1: That's where the magic of editing comes in.
0: Give John I, don't, I don't edit this. <laughs> like this. We get yeah. done and I throw plane. it on there and then Tony complains about it.
1: <laughs> I was really surprised reading some of the feedback. I was like, people are saying they can't hear Jamie. And I'm just picturing Jamie leaning back in his chair, trying to speak at his normal uh, register and not blow the mic out. And it's like overcompensation, apparently.
2: <laughs> yeah, who we, me overcompensate for things? What are you talking about, Jesse?
0: We've talked a little bit about it.
2: Yeah. Well, you notice I positioned it down below me, so when I look down at my phone, I'm going right it. You did. See, you're learning. See, that trying, was th- trying, <clears throat> trying, trying to get better.
0: Look at you. Always growing, always changing, always evolving. Trying to, to be it. a real boy. And on that note, hello and welcome to Red Raccoon Radio, your source for tabletop gaming news in Bloomington, Illinois and beyond. I'm your host, John Parrott, and with me today is... I'm Jesse. And the real Jamie. boy, Jamie. That's where you chose to start us at. I'm a real boy. I've been goofing off for 10 minutes and You then... set me up. It's not my fault, Jamie. It's
2: not my fault. That's fair. You
0: you choose these actions. I just choose where to start. Them at. Did did either of you watch the Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio movie?
2: No. No.
1: I haven't yet, but it looks amazing. Okay.
2: Well, is it? Okay. Is it It's a stop motion. horror movie now? No,
1: it's like a dark fairy tale. It's it's it takes a lot from like the original book, which is wild. But it's it's it it's stop motion. You should check it out. All right. Since you haven't seen it, we'll just go to what you
0: it. Didn't want. you ask if it was Stop motion, and didn't you say no? And then talk about no, everything he, he,
1: else. He said it, w- it wasn't a horror since it's Guillermo del
0: That's not what you asked. I'm no, pretty.
2: That's totally what I asked. You asked if
0: it was a horror. Yeah, I said okay. it was a horror movie. Cause, I'll double check the recordings.
2: Yeah, because half of his stuff is like it seems like it's going to start off nice and innocent and looking, at it, then you get into it, you're like, what the heck is happening here? Yeah. So fish
0: and ladies making out—you just never know.
2: Yeah, or Pan's Labyrinth. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of. Yeah. It's beautiful, but it's pretty dark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and some of those um, as a kid, some of those creatures would have totally given me nightmares.: Oh yes, like you, the thing with the yeah. eyeballs in its palms.
1: Yeah, you, uh, you definitely don't show Pan's Labyrinth to a kid quite as young as you show labyrinth labyrinth, Jim Henson's labyrinth.
2: Yeah, I yeah. mean, if
1: you give it a few years, they need, to, they need to start getting a little worn by the world, and then it'll strike well.
2: Yeah, I mean, Jim Henson's Labyrinth, right, is it's a little dark and everything, but it's a lot of Muppets bouncing it's around out. and singing songs. And, and David Bowie dance, bouncing around. Dance and Contact the, juggling. Yeah. And the codpiece.
0: Yeah. Yes. I think we just all know that del Toro does movies just so that Doug Jones can keep employed. Like, and bless him for it. He's amazing. <laughs> I mean, think about it. That man has to always be thin. Like, he does not have a choice because that is his whole shtick. If he's not thin, then he can't fit in the prosthetics and then it doesn't work. So his whole entire career, he has had to been must have been so like thoughtful about his
1: diet. Jamie, if you're ever at a convention and Doug Jones is there, please, I don't care how much it costs, get a picture with him because we need to see you next to someone who makes you look short.
0: Mm. It's true.
1: I don't know how tall he is, but I think he's like seven foot or something. Like he's a tall boy. My
2: friend Mike is six foot eleven. That's true. I was talking to him the other day and I was I was talking to him for a while and I was like, Oh man, I'm getting a crick in my neck. Is this how it is for everybody else? Oh, um Jamie, how tall are you? Like six five, six six.
1: Okay, Doug Jones is apparently six four. I guess it's just his frame really accentuates it, and you know. I, they probably always they put, put you, well, they put you in heels, so you're gonna look really tall too. So. Exactly,
0: I was gonna say he's always in
1: heels or yeah. stilts or something. Like so when he's Saru in Discovery, he has those weird feet that's like the height exactly. is built in. Yep. Yeah.
2: We were, at, uh, we were in Orlando, and Orlando has this section they call uh, Church Street, where they close down the street, and you can kind of wander around from all these restaurants and bars and everything. And we were in Soapy Smith's, which is a Hemingway-themed bar, and we were hanging out, and all of a sudden I realized I was looking around, and I was only looking at other people's armpits. And it was because all of the guys from the Cleveland Cavaliers who had just played the Orlando Magic (laughs) came out, and they were in the bar. So we hung out with the Cavs all night, and it was the only time in my life where I actually legitimately felt short because (laughs) I'm the size of like a small point guard for the NBA. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then the centers and stuff, those guys are all seven-footers. So I'm eight inches taller than some of these – shorter than some of these guys. And I was like, huh. Shoe is on the other foot now. <laughs> it was size cool though because 17 we, shoe
0: is on the other <laughs> foot now.
2: Uh, this, one of the guys I was talking to, he wore 22s.
1: God.
2: Yeah. Which you can go to the Nordstrom rack up by Woodfield Mall and I, on a regular basis, go up there and I see 22s on the rack up there. It's kind of ridiculous.
0: What size shoe do you wear?
2: 16. Okay. Which is. Still kind so it's of ridiculous. Still kind of ridiculous. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Yeah. It's still kind of ridiculous.
0: Speaking of ridiculous, how was the store this week, guys?
2: You were here Friday. What would you say? I was here Friday. What was
0: it? Oh, 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 yeah, I was here. And it Friday. was ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous. For those of you that don't know, tour de chocolate happened this uh, past weekend, and it was glorious. Yeah. Uh, chocolate soup was sold at nauseum, and, uh, and given away. Given away, sorry, not sold. Given yeah. away. There was great products. The for health sale. department
2: might have things to say to us.
0: Sorry, I'm sure that they listen to this podcast trying to trap you. <laughs> um True. Yes, they're like any sort of media. Jamie does. We have to keep an ironclad look on. But no, it was fantastic.
2: Um, it wasn't negative ten like last year's mm-hmm. tour to chocolate. It which was helps. what thirty five, forty degrees, mm-hmm. and in Illinois, people were like, no, yeah, we can go out on that." Yeah. Doesn't no, it- no sleet, no snow. Not negative 10. No wind chill being just utterly crazy like Free we, chocolate. we had. Yeah. Free chocolate up and down the streets.
1: Even, even I was here for a minute as a customer. And I think it's the first year I've actually gotten to have the chocolate soup because it's normally all gone by the time that I'm nearby. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, it was almost all gone again. Yeah. We, we had... The main boiler out in the front that we were scooping from. But then there was also three crockpots running at all times in the break room trying to melt stuff enough to keep it filled.
2: Yeah. So. And it was also a murder at Karlov Manor pre-release. Yep. And 20-something guys showed up for Warhammer. So they were all trying to get checked in. And they're all like, what's going on downtown? when I had put out messages everywhere, like don't even try to park in the street, just go straight to the garage. You're never gonna get an on street spot, go straight to the garage. Apparently half of them didn't see that messaging. So they were all driving circles around the block, trying to find somewhere to park and finally gave up and went to the garage. And so we had the basement with uh, 48, 50 people down here. And I was running the air conditioner in the basement to try to keep it cool. And then upstairs,
0: a million people.
2: What did we give? Uh, Kelly thinks we gave out 650 samples of chocolate soup. That would check out. Yeah. Those I was standing by the front door holding a sign that Ryan made that said, ask me about chocolate soup.
0: I had that commissioned. I still owe them $5.
2: Okay. Yeah. It worked out very well. Uh, Tiffany's Hot Chocolate was here. Girl Scouts were here selling Girl Scout cookies. And Jay's Cheesecake were doing cheesecakes. And I had uh, blueberry cheesecake for breakfast on Saturday morning.
1: Nice. I got, uh, I got Madison one of the uh, Earl Grey cheesecakes. I think it was their last one. Yeah. It was a very good cheesecake. Oh, nice. It was rich. But, like, the flavors were balanced really nice.
2: I think the I've cheesecake. had every one of his normal flavors of cheesecake. and But he had some specials. Mm-hmm. But, um, but before I got a chance to get over there, all the special ones were all gone. And I ended up back on the regular ones, which they're good. So yeah. I didn't care. So everybody said they had a great night. We had a great night. It was just a little crazy, little just a little, little crazy, a little crazy in here too, little
0: nutty. But I, speaking of, go ahead. I was
2: gonna say I heard like at Spice Works so they had a line out the door.
0: That doesn't surprise me. What were they giving away?
2: Um, they had uh, uh, different flavors of chocolate cigars, oh. and they had sliced them up and oh. were giving off little samples to say, "Here's what a here's what this brand of chocolate cigars is like." I had a I had a piece of orange. It
0: was pretty pretty good. Did you have to smoke it first? Or? No. Okay. It's not a
2: real cigar. Oh. It's a chocolate oh. cigar. It's so
0: a chocolate-flavored cigar. That yeah. makes sense, because I was like, if you're worried about the health department. <laughs> <laughs> but not only were things great in the store, they were probably great in our homes, too, because I know at least two of us here have been playing games lately. But, Jesse, have you been playing anything? Has anything been on your table that you've wanted to talk about?
1: Um, I have... Been playing. I got to play some games on the table uh, with game training the other day, which was really nice. Uh, I've been playing Moon River a lot on Board Game Arena, but I actually got to finally play the physical version, mm-hmm. um, and that was Moon good. River is
2: like the next step beyond King Domino. Yeah, yeah. same yeah. company.
1: It's King Domino Advance, which they have attempted like three or four times now, and I think this is the one where they really nailed it well.
2: Yeah, um, I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, it's it's excellent. It takes the basic idea of King Domino and turns it into a light to light medium weight Euro game. Um, very good, very replayable. Got to play um, Next Station London, which I played a lot on Board Game Arena, but so actually flip and played it. Yeah, flipping right. Uh, very satisfying, and I like the physical version better. Hmm. Um, I actually understood the scoring while I was playing, like what to keep in mind, better playing it physically. So definitely one uh, worth picking up. And the thing I've been playing the most is I've gotten on a um, a mahjong kick this last week. I've been playing a American lot of mahjong, mahjong or uh, Chinese Ri- mahjong, Richie mahjong, uh, Japanese rules, which was okay. I was, I mean, I was. Uh, uh, what do you call that, like uh, Stockholm syndrome into that? Because I wanted to learn, <laughs> okay. I bounced off of... He <laughs> was <laughs> kidnapped by Japanese mom. Yeah. So um, kind of like... So the I've, I've bounced, your <laughs> i bounced off of learning Mahjong more than the very basic rules a few times. And part of the problem is that almost every video game version of Mahjong is Japanese uh, mahjong or Ricci Mahjong rules, which is the most complicated version of the game. It's, um, a, and uh, so I was looking recently I was like, oh okay, here's what like Hong Kong old style rules, this looks like it's the more like kinda good to learn place. And I started with that and then I ended up on a Ricci Mahjong game again, but I watched some tutorial videos and went through things step by step that broke it down to where I actually was able to learn fundamentals and then started to learn some more complicated hands, and I actually feel not necessarily good, but competent enough to where I I'm getting it, and uh, nice. that feels nice. I mean, it is a fun game. It's it like a mix of Rummy and Poker. Rummy and how you collect your your cards together effectively. The tiles are basically cards, and like if someone discards something, you can snatch it up for like a meld. But it's more like Poker in the way you're constructing hands. So uh,
0: I've had a lot of fun. How many steps away are you from buying one of the automatic mahjong
2: tables where you just like Those are super cool though. Those are so so cool. cool. Those are so cool. Well they're probably five grand for one of those I bet. I
1: I, I was watching videos of them on YouTube just for funsies of like the mechanics of them are really neat. Uh, I mean it's definitely a thing where like I need to harangue two or three other people to play physically because I do have a set and I would like to play physically more and that would be nice because then it helps that the computer is telling me things like, that's a winning hand. That's not a winning hand. Or, hey, discard this, and then you have a potentially winning hand. But I know for it to soak in more, I'm going to need to play physically so I, so I start seeing
0: those patterns better. That'll be an interesting Craigslist ad for that. Oh, it'll be like every game <laughs> I want to <laughs> yeah. play. Yeah, three, car- three people, play Mahjong, I, Japanese rules. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, I just keep having this well, you image the, of the, me the disc- in a smoky room with, like, three, like... Chinese ladies in their 60s, and then I leave. And uh, is opium involved? (laughs) Wears no, no, just a lot of cigarettes. (laughs) Um, and uh, I just see the way that turns around is uh, I'm not available for the next five weekends because I'm just doing like paying off by chopping veggies for six hours a day or something.
2: (laughs) It's, I that reminds me so, um, I've gone and played poker a few times, and I'm not a very big poker. Player, but I'll just go to hang out with the, the guys and, and have a good time, and I'll, yeah, I'll lose 20 bucks and whatever. Um, but they're, like, chain-smoking cigars the entire time, and Kelly's just like, I don't care what you did all night, but you got to take all those clothes <laughs> off and put them straight in the washing machine because you reek. Burn them. Yeah, you get in the shower and immediately wash your hair because you everything just smells like smoke. Yeah. It's a little gross when you get home and you can start to smell the smoke in yourself. Like, oh, yeah, gross. What gross. <laughs>
0: Well luckily you didn't have that experience when playing games with myself and a few other people the other night no. when we played 3 Ring Circus.
2: 3 Ring Circus,
0: which it kind of was
2: a 3 Ring, a circus. Three ring
0: circus trying to get everything figured out.
2: Uh, yeah, it was it was a good game. Uh, it's the I think what we settled on, it's it's from Devere, we enjoy. I think we all enjoyed the game but wished some things had been different. Mhm. Um, the board, they they made a six-fold board f- to fit in this smaller box. And the board, because they crammed all the stuff onto the, what would fit in that box, the graphic design was so busy that it was visually confusing mm-hmm. in some places of what went where. Right, I think that was probably our biggest complaint was the board was too busy. Once we figured it out... It played pretty streamlined, pretty smooth We once we got going. But there was a lot of iconography questions that we had at the beginning. And then there was just the confusion of too much stuff crammed too close together on the playboard. Mm. I, I, I enjoyed the game overall. I don't know. You, you halfway through, you were like, I could be done now. I, I was ready to tap out.
0: But then again, that is not usually my type of game. Uh, I'm, I like the narrative stuff a little bit more. So... I I don't really hold that against me. I also know that we all attempted to watch the rules independently and then just tried to jump into it without actually reading the rules. And I think that hurt us as well. I think that was a...
2: Because we mistake. all watched different videos in we which did. each guy explained the rules just a little bit different. We all walked away from with a little bit different interpretations of them.
0: It reminds me often of that story where we talk about, like, the teachers trying to play board games without rules, and they were using the punch-out boards. They thought they were having to fill things in. It kind of felt the same way.
1: That was uh, such an interesting moment. Um, did, did you say you've talked about that on the podcast before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? We have. Okay, yeah. I just walking over, and it's like, hey, I'm not sure if we're playing this right. And I'm like, you have the cardboard punch-outs. Like, well, it was in the box. And I was just (laughs) giggling with joy for, like, 30 seconds. And they're like, oh, they they think I'm such an idiot. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm tickled because that, yeah, that makes sense. Um,
2: To put him back in the box. Yeah,
1: but it's hilarious. I haven't really looked at Three Ring Circus, but, um, I mean, Devere definitely – has had some interesting games that they've been publishing to where even if I haven't been like wowed by a game that I played from them the last couple of years, it's always at least very different from other things that I've played. Like hard mm-hmm. to really like put your your finger on like oh it plays like this.
2: Yeah, it was. I there's was, there's was a, a good amount of buzz around it, and I think. It's a, it's a good game. It is a very good game, and I would have no problem recommending it to folks. It's a it's – a, yeah, it? how would you describe it? You're moving around the board. There's some worker placement aspects to it. It's kind
0: of almost like a tableau builder almost. A little
2: tableau. I could see that because you're building each of your three rings. You have different performers that you put in place, mm-hmm. and those performers give you different resources – that sometimes will generate um, extra hype for your shows, which let you score more points. Sometimes the, the performers will just give you straight victory points, and sometimes they give you the ability to draw additional cards and stuff. I don't. It was it was good. I think you would like it. I, I think
0: just read the rules. That that
2: really helps. Yeah, yeah. Not help. don't watch the videos. Read the actual <laughs> read the rules. I think <laughs> the rules. So after you left, we played Jock Mock. J-O- oh, I've seen that Star
0: Trek episode where they're stuck on the planet together, and he only talks in, like, stores, right? I've seen that one. No. Oh.
2: This is a Norwegian shopping game. Uh, it is uh, J-O-K-K-M-O-K-K. Do K K. I don't know if
1: it's it, a J ja or a H? Ja?
2: I have no idea. <laughs> I got nothing on you. Right, I, Just flip back and forth. It, 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 yeah, it could go either way, right? Like, instead of, it's not Jarl, it's Yarl. Yeah. It very well could be Yachmach. Now now it sounds like I'm doing Klingon at that point, right? It was a a fun little rondelle game of moving around the outside of uh, the theme as you're shopping at a winter winter market. And you're moving around the outside, and you can collect different um, cards. Uh, It had a little bit of a vibe of, like, Sushi Go Party in... The box had many possible cards you could put out. They had recommended sets of like, you should try this for your first game. Or here's these different themes that you could do amongst all the cards. So we played the starter game the first time out. And that was fun. We're like, okay, we think we got it. And then the second game, we just chose some random cards to put out there. And they all scored differently. And they all have um, different interactions between them and it was a just kind of a nice light palate cleanser, right? A, a gateway game or something to kill some time while waiting for that buddy to show up that's always late. Cuz it played I think it was like 20 minutes, and we played a full game of it. It was it was nice. It was nice. Yeah. Production value was pretty good. The only thing it didn't have is given the number of cards and the fact that you you were playing with select ones, I wish that it had, had kind of almost like a game tray organizer like Dominion does where it kept the yeah. cards separated yeah. or some sort of separator for the cards because putting them back in the box it's like here's one big stack of 250 cards that in order to play the game you're to have to sort these out into the piles of the various cards but other than that it was uh, it was fun we enjoyed it we had a good time playing that one so um, also got in the game i think since last podcast of uh empire's end were you Ooh. were you there for empire's end i was not how was that it was good it was good uh, another one where we all walked away going wow that was actually a lot better than I expected it to be it uses a no thank you style mechanic while you're playing it the idea is that each of us is kind of the overlord governor's mayor of a of an empire that is on its final days and disasters keep happening and you're trying to minimize the disaster as much as you possibly can to hold your kingdom together. And you had tokens or various resources that you could bid to say, when a disaster struck, you could bid to say, this disaster is not happening to my land. So it was like a no thank you kind of mechanic where you, as long as you could keep paying, you could keep passing that that disaster off onto somebody else But as soon as you ran out of resources, eventually somebody had to pick up that disaster and then take the impacts. But then you got all the tokens that had been placed on it to use to prevent future disasters, right? Mm. And there were various points where there disaster would happen, and then we are going to have an economic phase. Disasters would happen. We're going to have an industrial phase. Disasters would happen. We're going to have a military phase. So there was different things that could happen along the way. And, um, you know, you kind of had a tableau, kind of like Space Base, where you've got uh, 11 cards in front of you. And that's, that represents your, your empire that you're trying to hold together. And if a disaster did befall, it, 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 they, when they flipped out of the deck, they attack specific parts of your, your empire. Like might hit card number 8, whatever you had in the 8th slot or the 7th slot or whatever. Um, it was it was pretty good. We enjoyed that one quite a bit. I, that's one that we had backed as a Kickstarter from the store that I had been meaning to get on the table, and it was it was pretty fun. Enjoyed good. that one quite a bit.
0: Nice, excellent. Speaking of things that bring
2: disaster,
0: <laughs> okay, we're going to go into our first story right now, and okay. that is, ooh, I don't even know which one. There's two articles that I could really segue with that one. Okay. I don't know which one. Let's let's go with the more clear clear sided disaster, and that was. The One Piece card game's biggest U.S. tournament was a complete disaster.
2: Which was the actual, literally the headline of the article.
0: Yes, that's kind of the reference I was making. Yeah. Uh, this is brought to us by Hal Hallett, who is a contributor at Dicebreaker. And he goes into some very detailed specifics on how this game, how somehow it is, you know, starting to overcome the. Uh, the stigmata of of being a new card game and having to go up against Magic and all of that and somehow has, has persevered, but then these hiccups keep on happening, such as the production issues, such as now this tournament failing that just keeps on seeming to give it a black eye as it continues to struggle.
1: And I don't see it really causing any long-term issues for One Piece as a game. So I think most players are going to unaffected if they weren't there but uh it's definitely a bad feel for those who were
0: at the event with everything that happened correct (laughs) so for those of you that are not reading the article right now basically what occurred was a tournament was going to be held it was supposed to be nine hours long but due to complications nine
2: hours on day one
0: nine hours on day one
2: yes nine hours nine nine hours of swiss rounds In order to see who made it the day two, who the top cut was.
0: And that day ended up taking 14 hours to which also was contributing the fact that there was no food on hand and all the food trucks were overworked uh, that people had to wait for long periods of time to see if they would get to play again. Only to be told that they were eliminated at the end of the day.
2: So much just. Yeah. Side events weren't announced well. So yes. nobody knew when they were going to start. They said that the vendor booth, uh, they were limiting everybody to five packs per person. and But they only had two people working the vendor booth at a pretty massive con. Having only two people at the only vendor booth in there, that seems a little
0: maybe yeah. understaffed. Could you imagine being those two people and I then assume have to work 14 hours doing that?
2: Yeah. They said the line was hours long to, to buy anything from the booth. Yeah. And, and I can't blame the players, right, because stores haven't been able to get any products. So you can't really buy stuff in stores. Right. Every store that had anything sold out. So there's no product in stores. So you go to Bandai Fest thinking, I'm going to buy some product, only to be wait for in line for a couple of hours. You get to the front of the line, and you're told, you can have five packs.
0: What is this, Gen Con?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, software issues, uh, pairing problems, people not told um, that uh, they had been eliminated six hours prior where yeah. they could have went and done something else and played some other events or side events or even stood outside in line to get a drink.
0: Live their life.
2: Yeah. It's, it sounds like they just had a bad day, and once things started going wrong, it just kept on going. And yeah. I think we've all lived that life at some point. Yeah. Uh, You know, like maybe the people working in the Lorcana booth at Gen Con last year. Yeah, no joke. So I I think they'll bounce back from it. It's just surprising yeah. to me because Bandai is, One Piece is new, but Bandai is not.
1: No, well, and, and that's one of the things I was thinking about is it's even, okay, you mentioned Lorcana, a good example. Lorcana is made by Ravensburger, who's not a new company, but they are new to collectible card games. Right. So I could see them having logistical hiccups on you you know new time around for this type of thing but bandai has been doing this a lot and in their home country they've done a ton of games it's a huge thing for them and uh, so i'm thinking this must be one of those things where the company itself on the macro has the experience that you would expect these not to happen but not knowing anything about specifically i'm just guessing they're you know, U.S. organized play team, what mixture of that is employees, what mixture is volunteers. Um, things weren't together the way they were expecting. And like software, I was surprised. The article said that they were using Best Coast pairings as the tournament software instead of Bandai's TCG Plus software. I don't know if that's a scaling thing, but it would surprise me for any, any card game that has their own bespoke organized play software to not use it for a major event. And then apparently that was causing pairing issues and stuff. I don't envy anyone who was trying to make the best of that day, but, uh, yeah, hopefully the next one runs well. I I will say on the smaller scale, we have a number of players here who do travel for, like, regional events and stuff, Mm -hmm. and uh, I haven't heard any complaints about how those have run. It sounds like for those, there are some... uh, a lot of those are being still run by, like, LGSs or, like, uh, similar types of things. So it's kind of an outsourced organizing. And the people who are doing that apparently know what they're doing. So they that had experience, experience has been good. Yeah. yeah.
2: I was trying to find how many people showed up to this event. And I was wondering if, like, way more people showed up than they were expecting. Well, Ooh, it was mentioned.
1: Question. It was, I like, originally this was an invitational and then it said a few months before the event, they opened it for as an open instead.
2: Oh, I just found it. Nineteen hundred and seventy nine players. Oh, dear God. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, honestly.
2: Yeah. January twenty twenty-four. Nineteen hundred and seventy nine players. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wonder what they were expecting. Like they were expecting a 1,000 and then they just got hit by an extra 1,000 or, or what the, the expectation was? And was that overloading the system where it couldn't handle pairings for that many people? I wouldn't be
1: surprised if it's, like, I bet there's an upper cap on how many players their own software is made to run, so that doesn't surprise me if they had to go out from there. But well, that back gets in the
2: Back in the day when um, massive Magic tournaments happened, the DCI software that we used in store could not handle that. Yeah. And if you were expecting attendance above, I think, like 500, you had to contact Watsy and they had a special, like, major events software to run those big events because just the regular version couldn't do yeah. it. So. Mm-hmm. so, I don't know, it could have been just the, the number of people just freaked everything out. Yeah. I could see that happening. Speaking of watsy and big numbers. Let's put the decimal place in the wrong spot whoops rounding error
0: so our next article brings us back to what we always have to talk about at least once per episode Wizards of the Coast because as a big company they do a lot of things and they make a few slip ups this for once I don't blame them for a slip up up up
1: like putting a decimal in the wrong place
0: yes Uh, with Wizards of the Coast uh, the article says uh, Wizards of the Coast dispels rumors that Tencent wants to gobble it up D&D like a... Tarasque. Tarasque. Uh To be clear, we are not looking to sell our IP. This comes from Harvey Randall of PC Gamer. And the article basically delves into a rumor that got spread last week.
2: And you and I talked about it we because did. I've got the message that you sent me last week uh, on January 31st. The title of this one says... Hasbro seeks to sell IP D&D and has preliminary contact with Tencent. Which I was not pleased with. No, I don't think anybody would be happy with the idea of Tencent buying D&D.
0: One of the analogies in this article that I really liked seemed, it was very much, it's like a sinking ship throwing over a crate of diamonds in order to try and stay afloat. Yeah, you can do it, but that's the last resort. And I don't think Wizards of the Coast is there.
1: And... Hasbro, Hasbro knows how to do licensing things. They're very smart about what are we going to do in house and what are we going to do. We own the IP and we make money when you do the work for us, mm-hmm. and that very much feels like what's going on here with things like, yeah, let's have Larry and print more money for us, and we didn't have to do anything. The
2: well, our, I think that the I think all the confusion came from something very similar to that. It was a ten cent earnings report. And they said that they were working with um, Hasbro on D&D. And somebody took that to say on buying D&D. And what Tencent was doing is trying to figure out, can we license something for them to make the next video game um, with the hopes of, of course, of being the next Baldur's Gate 3. Right. Which...
0: With Tencent owning a, I believe, in the Geordi- minority support of Larian, makes a lot of sense that they would want to try and secure that. In fact, honestly, if this article, if it came out that they were trying to buy just the D&D video game rights, uh, and Tencent wanted to be the only purveyor of that, Tencent has a lot of investment in other video game studios. So I could completely see them saying, hey, we will throw money at you to let us make better games because this is very successful.
2: Um, yeah, I think... I read somewhere that Tencent actually hasn't been having great success the last few years of releasing their own video games. It's true. But the thing that's been carrying them is their investment in all these other video game studios that are out there.
0: I believe they have uh, holdings in Epic Games. I'm trying to look at what the article was saying because I remember it. Um...
2: There was a bunch of them.
0: There's a bunch of them. There's a lot of studios that they have their hands Walter's
2: Larian Studios, of course, was the biggest ownership stake and the biggest um, uh, return on their investment, I think, would be a good way to say it.
1: If I'm following this right, um, they're doing the invest in but don't buy strategy as opposed to someone like... um,
2: Embracer Group, Embracer Group buying Asmodee the wholesale. Buy they also bought Riot Games, which is, makes me mad because it gives them control Borderlands, and I love Borderlands series. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, well, we've seen a lot of consolidation in the video game world in the last few years, oh, yeah. and we've seen we've been seeing some in the board game world as well. Because I think we talked on the last podcast that Funco had sold their board game division which has made some really fun games. Like um, they are the, that's the group that designed Villainous. It's the group that um, did the Jaws game, Mm -hmm. the Haunted Mansion, Mansion, the Goonies game. Um, And then of course the Funcoverse games. And they sold that entire division to Goliath games and Goliath's only reached, the Goliath's only like big game that they've got is Rummikub.
1: They own that right now?
2: Yeah. Oh wow, well I guess
1: they're printing I don't know if that's one actually that's owned at this point or if that's...
2: Rummikub like, is owned by Goliath. Okay,
1: okay. Because I, I think the copy I have that's a little older is like Hasbro or Mattel owned it at one point, maybe.
2: Uh, some of the games have been moved, shopped around and yeah. moved to so many studios at this but, point I lost track uh, of who's no, got them. Goliath
1: yeah. is absolutely... I mean, okay, we, there are certain companies that we you know go, well, I know what I'm expecting quality-wise from what you make. And like Goliath is like Spin Master, it's mass market, quick flip. I
2: mean, we're gonna take a really good IP, and we are gonna do everything we can to make it this cheap one to get it into big box stores at a cheap price. I
1: think the one game we'll
2: make thinner cards and crappier boards and cheap pieces, and
1: I think Floors Lava might be Goliath, and that might be the one exception I would say to their normal thing a kid plays that all the time and it holds it pretty well but I mean you know it's foam foam boards (laughs) right but yeah no Goliath for actual like quality made tabletop games is not a great fit and they had quality components in those Funko games so I don't know if they've changed that at all since, since that purchase but I was surprised. I was skeptical about Funko making board games, and they actually put out a lot of good stuff.
0: The Funko-verse games were actually very well thought out and had mm-hmm. some really great strategy to them. Yeah. And I was always impressed with them and the figures that they came with. Yeah, I would say what really got me worried about this article was that immediately when I saw a big investment group buying something that I loved, I thought of Volition Games yeah. and the Embracer oh, group yeah. tragedy uh, that, that took them down and so many other great game studios because Embracer had pined everything on a deal that didn't that just fell through. I think
2: I think the Volition shutdown might hit a little closer to home for us since they they were located 45 miles away in Champaign. Exactly. Whereas other people might be like, "Who?"
1: I've I've walked by their old studio a couple of times recently and the the sign is still on the outside of the building and apparently it must be wired with like all the main building lights cuz it still lights up so it's kinda uh, immemorial. for poor one out for the homies. It's
2: right there on Neal Street. Yeah. On yep. the the sorry, upper floor above uh wow, what's the there's a sushi restaurant underneath of it.
1: Yeah, I think I think I can It might be Cofusion. Co-fusion? Yeah.
2: Kelly likes to go there because they I can get sushi that's made with raw fish, you know, ah, sushi sushi. And yes. she can get American sushi with like steak and chicken and stuff like that that's fully cooked in just wrapped in rice and and, uh, nori, so.
0: Thank you, American Fusion Cuisine.
2: Yeah, yeah. But it works, because I just, I get sushi, Yeah. right? Otherwise, she wouldn't want to go. Speaking of failure of things, like sushi with steak, uh,
0: our next article, that was probably my worst transition. (laughs) All right, guys, I'm going to admit that. I'll I'll have a sushi
2: with steak if the steak's raw. Okay. Mm. I love... Steak tartare? Yeah, but only it's got to be prepared real, real carefully, real
0: carefully. <laughs> I didn't know the Cookie Monster was joining us this episode. <laughs> That's was a mistake. No, I think it's a Muppet version of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Let's just get to the article before this goes any farther.
2: <laughs> it's not a tumor.
0: Uh, <laughs> now I can think of. you all do the of, chopper. I'm thinking of you all Arnold Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger movies as Muppet movies, and it is it pretty spectacular. We
2: had a we had a Schwarzenegger. Um, question at trivia last week, and we couldn't. We got it wrong, and it was where Where does the line get to the chopper came from? Come from, and we couldn't. We're like we had it, it down to two. It was a, Do you either, want to try
0: and guess, Jesse? Okay,
1: my Did first the sh- My first instinct is predator. Okay, but that's. I'm pretty sure that's wrong. Actually,
0: okay. Don't um, say anything.
1: It's one word. Is in a jungle though. Yeah, there's
2: a yeah, few of those. But that's the problem. There's more than one of those.
1: Okay, because now, now I'm thinking, I'm not saying these are the answers, Commando and Universal Soldier. Yeah. But I know Universal Soldier is not, uh, that. that's Van Damme and um, um, Dolph, Dolph, Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren.
0: Was he in Commando? Yes, in he was. Sort of it's from rough. Commando. Commando. Is. No. And that is exactly the <laughs> mind process that Jamie and I went through together. It's Predator. And it is and It is Predator. It is totally but predator. both of us thought... Is it Predator? I no, it's got to be That's exactly oh. what happened to us.
2: We absolutely had Predator, then we talked ourselves into Commando, and we were Rest wrong. Rest in predator. peace, Carl Weathers. Oh. Yeah, he passed away this, just, this last week. His work
0: in The Mandalorian was actually really good. I'm very happy about that. I will also say that I had an amazing night at Trivia the other night where I went, and the question was, in Starship Troopers, what is the country that gets hit by the Klundathru asteroid? And I just very slowly leaned over the table to look at everyone, and I said areas, and they said yep that's it that's it and then I started to pull no, away no I said
2: that's it that's it and Tristan and oh, Monica went what what
0: <laughs> and then I leaned a little bit closer and said would you like to know more and
2: <laughs> I just started cackling it was amazing it
0: was a good moment I will never forget I did
2: watch uh, I did watch finally got around to watching Prey last night yeah which is like Predator yeah. in like 1700s yeah. Native Americans the Comanches pre-Predator Predator yeah it was pretty good I don't know if you guys have seen it I enjoyed it I'm they're making right. a sequel Predator the Prey 2 is already in production and uh, I enjoyed it it was you know it was a good it was a very Predatory Predator movie mm-hmm.
1: yeah nice that's all you can really
0: ask for yeah I have no way to segue this uh Simon picks up two failed mythic games that were Kickstarter product projects. Uh this comes from po- comicbook.com by Christian Hofer, who we talk about very regularly on this podcast. Uh and basically describes that Simon has gone and saved two of mythic games I don't know even if saved is the right word. Um more like salvage, salvage might be the better terminology for that. Good, Although
2: yeah. that picture that's the thumbnail kind of looks like the Predator from Prey. There's your segue right there.
0: <laughs> well, you're great ten minutes after the situation. I'm just um,
2: saying. I mean, come on.
0: The article starts off with, Simon has announced that they have picked up two IPs from the failed Mythic Games Kickstarter projects. This week, Mythic Games informed backers of Anister and Hell, The Last Saga that the company would not be moving forward with either project, citing that the projects were excessively difficult, if not impossible, to complete with their current means. This is despite the two games raising a combined 3.2 million during two Kickstarter campaigns. Mythic Games also announced that simon had purchased the IPs for both games. Now, Seamon then came out and basically said, we will provide a free base copy of the game to those that kickstarted, but all of the extra bits and bobs when we finally get this thing done, that is not going to be something that's going to happen.
2: And a bunch of people real unhappy because they already paid for all those extra bits mm-hmm. and bobs. And so it's it's down to the, we already got your money. Do you want something or nothing? Yes. That's basically yeah. kind of how it, it framed out, right?
0: don't no. Go i
1: i went into this article expecting there to be some mention of mythic games like folding because that's a pretty big like l to take and not say and also we're filing bankruptcy agreed Uh, especially for a company who essentially does over ambitious miniatures kickstarters like that is their mo um i don't know how they bounce back from this one uh especially since as mentioned later in the article there is a third unfulfilled kickstarter yes that they uh no, also have, yeah, I forgot that that was them. Yeah, yeah Monster Apocalypse. I'm looking at one China of
2: John's now. favorite games of okay. all time.
0: So, so a little bit of backstory about me. I actually visited Red Raccoon before it was Red Raccoon, back when it was Graffoli's Uh, because I had heard about this game called Monster Apocalypse, where you could take giant monsters and giant robots and make them fight, and I absolutely love this idea. So I went one day. Uh, I lived in Decatur, I drove up to Bloomington, I found the store, I bought like three starter sets and like two boosters, and was so excited, could not find a single person to play with me, which was very sad, but I still love the game. I love the thought, I love the process, and when they announced that it was coming back from Privateer Press, I was ecstatic, and then I learned that they were no longer going to be pre-painted, and I took it upon myself to learn how to paint miniatures simply for this one game. And I then took the time and energy to buy more of the stock. I actually, I believe, got Red Raccoon to start purchasing uh, Monster Apocalypse things, which turned out not to be a good investment, and I feel bad about that to so this day. It's, it's a, a good, good game. It's a good game. Just and we had some players, but right. it just wasn't a. It's not a competitor, uh, at least in this space. And uh, we, we, uh, we had a, f- a glimmer of hope in the Monster Apocalypse world, in that Mythic Games came out and said, hey we're going to make a streamlined version of the game. You're going to get all these monsters. You're going to get them all where you, you know, they're, they're going to come unpainted, but they're going to be, there's not no assembly required. And then it's going to be more of a board game experience of learning the game, which might have revitalized the series one more time. Yeah. Now, at the time, luckily, I only had so many dollars to my name. So I just slid a dollar into the Kickstarter thinking, oh, I'll, I'll go ahead and once it actually comes around, I'll put down the rest of the money." And then we waited to hear things. We waited to hear things. And we waited to hear things. And almost, I believe it's now been three years, we still have not gotten any solid updates on what Mythic Game is doing. We uh, have not heard anything about this game in over a year from any official channels which tells me that the only explanation on why they sold these games is because they are absolutely in love with Monster Apocalypse and they're going to spend all their money trying to fix it. That's what I'm going to believe. Now, is that right? Don't pop my bubble because I'm just going to believe that. I'm going to be happy with that.
2: This comes right after Mythic Games had a significant amount of issues getting Darkest Dungeons out yeah. the door.
1: Yes. So they actually had to go back to the well and tell people, we didn't charge you enough.
0: Mm-hmm. And had to get an extra 1.7 million dollars to basically get this back into people's hands. Which
1: was that? Was that um, like COVID shipping surcharges, or was that they blamed it
2: on that? They they did. They blamed it on that. And and some of this shipping. I mean, shipping legitimately is more expensive now than it was pre-COVID, right? And part of that is if you guys all remember, we had a fairly massive UPS strike that was about to happen. Uh-huh. And then we UPS negotiated all new contract and then they brought on a ton of new workers and they were gonna do all these extra shifts and everybody got a raise and things of that nature. All great stuff. UPS then to pay to, for the n- new amount for that contract, raised the shipping charges everywhere. So if you had a Kickstarter from three years ago your shipping costs probably went up at least 20 to 30 percent outside of your control yeah yeah and yeah you you did nothing different you just don't get to ship it for the price that you got a quote on three years ago it's just not happening
0: the weird thing that i find in this article is uh simon announced that neither hell or the last saga nor anastar i still believe that it is uh, were ready for publication and would require substantial effort to complete them. Simon stated that they were committed to releasing new versions of both games and that they would also provide free copies for the final base games to backers of the original Kickstarter. My feeling on that is, what have they been doing then at Mythic Games?
2: And I, I don't know if they're having staffing issues or what. The, the two guys who started Mythic Games came out and made, everybody's like, that. they just take the money and run? Mm-hmm. And they came up and said, we haven't been paying ourselves and in fact we've had to take side jobs just to like support our families and we're still working on these games outside of our other jobs.
0: My only explanation is that the apocalypse version they are working on is so addictive and fun that no matter who they hire, everyone just keeps playing that game and not doing their job. So... You know, obviously they're trying to keep it to themselves right now. But when they release it, I'm sure it'll be great.
1: Based on based on what we know, that is as valid as any <laughs> uh, any guess we would make. I will say that even if they had a partially finished product that they turned over to CIMON, um, based on my what little familiarity I have with Mythic Games, having not played any other games, but just hearing folks who are fans talk about them. Um, Simon is known for having a very high standard for their quality and their rules. Um, like, uh, um, oh, his name is escaping me right now. It's on all those boxes. Their lead designer, um, Eric Lang. Eric, yeah, yeah. Like, like, I, they run a tight ship, and so I wouldn't be surprised if you know they got what Mythic has made, and then went, mm, we need to have that be better if we're going to release it. That's fair. Just
2: so you know, Eric's not at CMON anymore. But he was the lead designer for a ton of other stuff for years. I guess. completely
1: missed that He uh, was somewhere else now.
2: Yeah, he was a staff designer, and he I don't remember where he's at now, but I just was talking the other day, and he's no longer at CMON.
0: I think he's... Isn't he just a consultant at this point for a variety of different games? Might and be. Yeah, Good I... for him, honestly. It was shortly after Cthulhu, Death May Die, I think he deported... departed Simon in order to from what I remember him saying work on more diverse games with more inclusion Um, which is very sad because Cthulhu Death My Day was amazing and that's probably why we are only now looking at maybe getting the Kickstarter delivered next year um but I will say that this is interesting that Simon has now kind of become the company that goes in and scoops up and saves these sort of things because I believe they did the same thing to... Trude Fang Legends, I believe. Yeah, and didn't they do um, the Metal Gear Solid board game? Didn't they scoop yes.
1: that one out They're and that one I, I, need, I need my pre-order in for that, Jamie. Um, <laughs> Metal Gear that's supposed Solid? supposed to be soon, actually. Yeah, yeah. I need it.
2: I did need we it. back that one?
1: Uh, we were taking pre-orders for it. I don't know if they actually did it. They, I don't think they did the pre-orders. They didn't do the pre-orders as a Kickstarter, but IDW originally had a failed Kickstarter for it.
2: Okay. Um, we'll have to talk about that one. And go yeah, back and double-check Metal Gear. that one. Metal Gear. The one of my
1: favorite. I'm sorry. Really quick side note. Um, if you are a Metal Gear fan, you're listening to this, and you didn't already know, David Hayter, the voice of Solid Snake, and the, the guy who is the voice for Otacon, who I can't think of his name right now. Both of them do a lot on Cameo, and there are a lot of clips on YouTube of them reading the most unhinged things that people have said, yes, I will pay you if you'll read this for me. It is delightful.
2: So here's funny my brain when you said David Hader I immediately went Bill Hader as, and then right. and doing like solid state voice and that would be such a completely different game that would be so I w- awesome
0: I would watch that SNL skit I would go back so many, many times to just, I would go
2: back and play Metal Gear just with an like, all new like audio track yeah. of Bill Hader reading, doing everything
0: I just imagine the, model, the 3D model being Bill Hader because he's got enough of that angular that it looks like an <laughs> SNL skit version of
2: him and he's tall and lanky enough so there was another report, um, I, well, so I think Mythic Games fell trap a little bit to what we've seen from some other publishers, too, where they're using one Kickstarter to pay to finish the previous Kickstarter, right? And then it's like, it's almost like a pyramid scheme that when one starts to go sideways, it takes the whole, the whole tower yeah. down, right? Because we've seen this multiple times, especially with some of these crazy minis heavy games where, hey, the price of plastic went through the roof for a while because the price of oil went through the roof, right? I mean, it's come back now, now a little bit, but for a while there, uh, plastics got a lot more expensive and shipping got more expensive and inflation has gotten everything at this point, right? Since Over the last... You know, for some of these Kickstarters that are two or three years ago, we've had, uh, what, one year of 5% and then a year of 11%, and then this year it would be 3%. So, you know, you're you're upside down, 19% inflation, not counting your other stuff, your production cost and your labor cost. There was a report that came out that I saw last week that board games on Kickstarter are down 20%. I was just for, about
0: to bring up that article. Yeah, for, yeah. for
2: 2023, they were down 20% from 2022 which was down like 15 or 17% from 2021. So um I don't know if if it's uh too many games cuz man there are so much stuff up there um or it's a pushback like there was a couple of customers that were in last week that they said that they're sick of these big companies using Kickstarter as a pre-order platform. Yeah. Yep. Um you know, uh, and and they're all doing it now. I yeah, mean, every single one. Yeah, there's a new TCG that's up on Kickstarter right now called Altered, um, and it is backed by Asmodee. So the Embracer Group and Asmodee has a TCG that's up on Kickstarter right now. It's already on Board Game Arena where you could play the demos and try it out if you wanted to. So they had a whole thought out plan of here's the demos. It's on Board Game Arena. Somebody Which took they the time. Bought somebody yeah they bought they own board game arena now right so somebody took the time to make the whole game put it on board game arena as part of this marketing plan and we're going to put altered out there uh this brand new tcg on kickstarter and so I, I, is it pushed back from that is it people getting scared of these, some of these massive ones are failing now
0: yeah because it used to be you know certain game studios you could trust now it's only a few. Asmodee, Simon, those are the only ones. Cause it, I get always get the feeling that no matter what, it doesn't really matter. Simon and Asmodee are using Kickstarter as an advertising tool. Yeah. And and to do like, ooh, here's the release for this week, or here's the stretch goal that you're gonna say. When I know for a fact that they probably have the money already socked away for this. And if a Kickstarter failed, they would just do some. Background business and push the money through that they need. It.
2: I can be a little bit more forgiving of Simon and these companies with these massive sets of minis that are going out for the games because creating the the die, the dies for making all these models when you're getting this many different figures in a Zombicide set or just today sitting on the table behind us is Dune the War for Arrakis and Cyberpunk 2077, which both have a ton of different models. And I read somewhere once that the average price of it making the die for one model is like 10 grand. Mm-hmm. So if you've got this many disparate models that are out there, your die cost, which has all got to be paid up front before you can even go into production, that's some crazy expense. But then a lot of these ones that are just a deck of cards, that those are the ones where I'm like, ah, for the you know, okay, small guy who's supposed to be using Kickstarter as to get kickstart his company in the gear and his first shot at making this new game. Some games would never have been made without Kickstarter, right? Right. Like uh, probably one of the more famous examples is Wingspan.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. That was a brand new game. Jamie Stegmeier did not have enough money to go and get that made. He did an amazing job with it. And since then, he's created this company that doesn't use Kickstarter anymore. But um, the big companies, when they do it, I'm kind of like, come on. Come on. AEG made um, Deep Dive and Point City. Mm -hmm. They're both two normal-sized boxes they use for all their games, and they're both cards in just a few pieces. There's no reason why aEG needed to do no. that
1: no. it was marketing so i i exactly. I wonder
2: if it is a pushback from that is it fear as some of these big kickstarters don't get fulfilled
1: maybe we're if finally. you're out four hundred
2: bucks and you don't get your stuff
1: yeah I mean maybe the wave of just I'm gonna try to do the thing maybe the entry has finally gotten high enough as far as like what you need to do to market yourself enough so that your Kickstarter gets in front of people, like the upfront costs and things. I don't know. But ultimately I think it's probably a good thing if that means the saturation level can come down and there's less just the signal to noise. Because I mean, we get we got overwhelmed for quite a while just trying to keep up with what was worth paying attention to. So maybe yeah. it can settle down to a point where it's uh, manageable.
2: Kickstarters are still a little bit the bane of my existence. I Mm -hmm. love having the cool pieces, and I love having all the stuff. But every different publisher does things a completely different way. That we're constantly playing whack-a-mole, trying to keep up with all the stuff, and they're using this company's using this pledge manager with this fulfillment house, and whatever the requirements are, all different there, and. Is it, you know, am I wiring money to somebody? Am I just paying it with a credit card? Am I, do I have to use Stripe or a PayPal account? And it's, it's a lot sometimes and to I, keep track of.
1: It's something I just thought about that with that. Cause I, I, I had my first, probably first in a decade, I think since the original 7C second edition Kickstarter, some seven, eight years ago, whatever that was. Um, I backed a Kickstarter recently myself for a Blu-ray. And I think that Kickstarter negatively works with, uh, we have a lot of neurodivergent folks in our, you know, in our community. It negatively works with things like ADHD on both ends. On the front end, there's the impulse control of, ooh, here's the thing, and are I going to bite before I think about it? And on the back end, there's trying to keep up with it. Because, like, it's, as soon as I have to start keep paying attention to a thing over and over, it's really hard for me to go, oh, God, I, I thought, I, do I already know how much I'm paying? I don't know yet. Something else could pop up later. And then just gets overwhelming.
2: Over the weekend, Jill used the phrase "neurospicy." Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, okay, that's, that's actually fairly accurate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, it was, you know, <laughs> we, the good news is is that our friends at CMON keep delivering. And they yes. keep delivering good, solid experiences and good games. So, we got two more that arrived today that are getting boxed up to go on to the new hotness.
0: Yes, indeed they are, Jamie. And that is, that is our next segment. That was almost a generous segue you gave me.
2: So, yes, let's go. It was go such ahead a great segue, and then you had to ruin it by calling <laughs> it out and talking about it. I was
0: shocked. It. I had it all set up in my head, but yes, we, we do have our new hotness as our next segment, and uh, I'm guessing that not everything is on there right now from what you're saying.
2: No, the the uh, uh, cyberpunk 2077, uh, the the Kickstarter versions, I don't think they've made it up there yet. Uh, Chance was taping up the Dune War for Arrakis. That one we only had two extras after fulfilling all special orders. So
1: that one's the minis. Right. Yeah,
2: yeah. And you get all the minis of all of the main characters, and then you get some worms, and, yeah, it looks pretty spicy. It, it looks pretty good. Get it? It's pretty spicy. Get it. Get it. <laughs> 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 I hope that the game has good flow. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, uh, you can develop a, you know, you don't want to get in too much of a rhythm because, you know, you might give things away, but if you go slightly off rhythm a little bit,
0: I got, I got nothing for that analogy. I'm not sure where you're going with that. What I do have is. We you were making is, Dune
2: references, dude. You can't walk without rhythm, right?
0: Or you don't attract the worm. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. I never yeah. attribute that with Dune. I attribute that with Fatboy Fat Boy Slim. Slim. Um, right. About I was also. Now. Funk show brother. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Walken. Legend. I will say so that I was also distracted by the cuteness of, of the Plague Doctor and Plague Nurse. This year's theme is mushrooms. Woodland. The woodland. They're cute. They're cute. They're great. They're did covered in Did you notice the play
2: Doctor's got a little canary on his head?
0: I did. It's very adorable.
2: Yes. So right next to that is um, Brindlewood Bay, which is Murder, She Wrote, the RPG. Nice. Yeah, it looks ridiculous. I mean, literally, you're playing as an, uh, a book club of elderly people who are trying to solve murders and mysteries in your town, but those murders and mysteries get a little Cthulhu-esque spiciness along the way at the same time, too.
1: I've heard a lot of really good buzz on that one in the indie RPG community. So that's definitely one of those cool to see come in.
0: I would have loved Murder, She Wrote so much more if it was Angela Lansbury, like, having to solve Cthulhu crime. Just, she's already on the East Coast, right? So we're already hitting the right section.
1: I see her not bulking at all. Like, just the most stalwart willpower.
0: Like, she's completely unfazed because she's more interested in the murder yeah. and being jovial than she is about the tentacles that she's finding on some of these people that are attacking her.
1: I can see her taking like a deep one by the ear or the dorsal fin. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Whatever.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. She had that. That's why she was the perfect Miss Potts. And uh, I don't know why they needed to redo that movie and try and give a different Mrs. Potts.
2: I randomly came across a picture of her. As a twenty-year-old with a young, very young Judy Garland. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can see why she broke into show business. Mm-hmm. I, I really only think them. of her as this little old lady from yeah. Murder She Wrote, not a very attractive younger lady when yeah. in the nineteen fifties. So. Uh,
0: another game on here. And speaking of our RPGs, Starfinder has a new book. uh it's new campaign Camp path. S- hmm? I'm sorry, you're still. It's
2: campaign Camp Camp path. Camp. Yeah. Yes.
0: So, for those of you that want to take some adventures out to space, Scoured, scoured for Stars. Scoured they took.
2: Stars. So, they took um, Pathfinder Society, Starfinder Society, they took, like, an entire season of individual, like, four-hour modules, and they reconfigured the entire thing and turned it into a hardcover book. So, it's a single playthrough campaign now.
0: I am shocked that no one else has ever thought, like, they've never done that before.
2: Have they done that before? I don't know that they've done it with the Pathfinder Society modules that I can think of. They've taken Adventure paths, which are still the printed books, but there's usually yeah. six of them, and they've mm-hmm. combined those all together to a single hardcover. They've done that a lot.
1: I think they've done little tie-ins, but I don't think they've quite done this, to well, my that's knowledge. An excellent it is, it's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys talked about 7th Sea Katai? It's above that?
2: Um, I don't think we actually talked about it on the podcast. There's a, a Kickstarter that I backed... 5 years ago.
1: Yeah. Um so 7C is uh one of my favorite RPGs of all time and shortly after Pirates of the Caribbean RPG. Yeah, swashbuckling alternate history uh pseudo Europe with uh magic and it's it's a great time. Um and so they they did a Kickstarter for the second edition of it and then shortly after that Kickstarter they had a Kickstarter for 7C Kitai, K H I T A I which is basically the East Asian equivalent for the game. So uh, this is a standalone RPG core rulebook with a shared system, but um, as opposed to being Renaissance Europe, it's uh, basically East Asian fantasy. Uh, Mm -hmm. I haven't looked at it too hard myself, but um, John Wick, the creator of 7C, also uh, was one of the developers for um, Legend of the Five Rings and when they were announcing this he basically framed it like if i were to do that over how would i approach that to really get that feel for like i remember him sharing a gif of like a really cool take from an old like kurosawa film Mm. um and he's like i want that samurai movie feel so uh if you're into that kind of thing you should definitely check this out we only have a few copies um i'm not sure exactly where physical copies of this one are going to fit because uh Speaking of rescues, um, John Wick Productions unfortunately went out of business, but Chaosium rescued the Seventh Sea properties to fulfill out their Kickstarters and publish the line. So uh, if we run out of this one, check if we can special order you in a retail copy because
0: we might be able to. Yeah. Speaking of Adventures on the Seas, there is also for you model lovers the Nine Snake Ship from One Piece uh been seeing a lot more of those at the store lately i think that there are some people that are creating quite the fleet
1: yeah yeah um people are asking all the time are you getting more one piece ships in so yeah this is from the grand ship collection um and they're really they're neat little ships i've sat at a table with sean when he's put one together uh shout out to our gm sean and uh they take if you've built models before maybe an hour or two to put together um and uh they're they're cute so there are a bunch of them and i get them in whenever they reprint them and based on the last solicitation i got middle of this year there might be a number more that uh, that come back in so always keep an eye out for those
0: my favorite part of it is that you can either have the bottom of the ship on there or you can take the bottom off and then put it on a water front so it looks yeah. like it's actually going through the water and i feel like that's a very cool effect it is
2: so another new one that's up there too as is uh, look at the stars. Mm. This is Pandasaurus. and it is a flip and right as well where you're trying to you're ba- basically making constellations. and you're trying to make and complete as many constellations as you possibly can on your sheet. It's interesting that it's a black piece of paper and they give you like a white, it's, I, don't know, it's, I don't know if it's a colored pencil or a grease pencil or something of that nature that will draw on the black paper to create your constellations as you're connecting the stars oh, together. That is cool. Very nice. Yeah, I thought that was a fun one. So
0: all of these games are amazing. What would be some reasons for people to come in the store and check them
2: out? My good gosh, there's so much stuff coming up. This I, Saturday. Yeah, this Saturday. So uh this upcoming saturday we usually publish these on wednesdays and saturday there is learn to play magic learn to play dungeons and dragons learn to play universal system there's um digimon and then at night at 8 p.m we have monster monster the D&D live play comedy show that we were bringing to town and i was checking with ariel this morning the, the tickets for Monster Monster are actually being handled by the comedy troupe themselves and using an Eventbrite link. And uh, we think that 58 of 70 tickets are already sold as of when I talked to Ariel right before we started this podcast. So
0: it's Tuesday.
2: Yeah. 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 So there's many days to still go. Yeah. I... Because I was just like, hey, are we, like, at 15? Because I've been paying for, like, social media ads and stuff like that, not knowing where we were because I don't have any visibility into the event right. Right. And uh, I was, you know, I was like, hey, do I got to bump this up and get more ads going or something to try to get the word out about this? And and Ariel said, nay, nay. (laughs) If there's still seats left, when we get to Saturday, she's going to be surprised. So... I was going to say, I believe I heard as I was walking in
0: here that you had to ask Ariel if you had enough chairs.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, because so we have we have seventy chairs that we were selling, and these are for our customers. And I said, you know, I said if any staff want to say you're sitting in the cheap plastic chairs in the back of the room. Yep. Yeah. This is, the customers get the nice comfortable chairs.
1: I think. It, correct me if I'm wrong. This is like the first uh, like like show that we've hosted in our new space, like outside event basically, right?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, well, we did the auction. That's kind yeah. of an event. Yeah. But we're I mean, gonna set it up very similar style. that we do, the same way that we did the auction, right? We're gonna get rid of all the tables and then we're gonna put the chairs in rows kind of almost auditorium style.
1: Yeah. It's just neat because before we moved into the new space, we talked about hosting things kind of like a venue and actually doing that, it's pretty exciting.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think um, I think that this is a good uh, first out of the gate one and it makes it so that we can look for additional things that are similar to this that might be coming through the Midwest, right? I know there are other places that do traveling shows and we can say, you know, it's, it's good if we can build up a track record yeah. and say, well, you know, we've sold 85% here and 50% there and it's not exactly a big venue. I think we could maybe cram... A hundred seats, you know. When we we had seventy seats, but we kept all of the big wargaming tables for the auction. Well, we're just going to get most of those wargaming tables out of the way, and then I think we can I think we can get to a hundred seats. Yeah. But we're going to run out of we're going to run out of chairs first. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Well, if you want to be one of the lucky few, come check out the Red
0: Raccoon webpage, which I assume that there is links for this event there.
2: Yes. Perfect. Red Raccoon website, Facebook everything's got links to the eventbrite in order to sign up for the show
1: and like Jamie mentioned just before that we've got a lot of learn to plays happening we've got our learn to play D&D which is always a hit we've got learn to play magic Ken's going to be teaching magic he's going to have some decks with him for teaching and then um, we've got the learn to play universes which we were talking about earlier today Um, if you've looked like the My Hero Academia card game same game but since they're branching out again into more IPs, like they've got the Trigon and Cowboy Bebop decks that just came out, and then they have a Yu Yu Hakusho set that's coming up. So uh, if you're of a certain age, you're perhaps in your 30s, and uh, you watched a lot of Adult Swim when you were a kid, uh, you have a lot of nostalgia for the properties that they've they've got in this game, and it's a solid game, so go yeah. check it out. Very yeah.
2: much so. And then we've got, um, you know, coming up soon, we've got the... Um, Magic the Gathering Fallout set releasing, mm-hmm. so that'll be coming down the pipe pretty fast as well, so it's a uh, Universes Beyond with Fallout, and then we've got um, uh, Into the Inklands, the Lorcana third release, those pre-releases, those releases are both coming in early March, so we're not too far away from those either.
1: I think... Fallout pre-orders are currently open. Yeah, and uh, but not in, Inklands not yet. No, Fallout we're is. still
2: waiting to get a final yeah. number from Southern Hobby before we open those up. I I, I don't want to oversell. Mm-hmm. I want to know how much we're gonna we're gonna get. So Rise of the or End of the Inkland should be coming out soon, and we were talking about that one. A lot of people are excited because not only is Ducktales included. Ooh. Thank you, Jesse. My brain said it. Uh, so not only is Ducktales Woo. included in Into the Inklands, but um, Atlantis is going to be featured for the first time. I can't think of any time that Disney has actually done anything with that property where they've made anything from it.
1: They they're starting to I think realize that there's a lot of a lot of millennials and younger folks who actually really appreciate that movie.
2: Yeah, so both of those are coming down the pipe in early March as well. So and we're already kind of, you know, I feel like we're we're February seems like it's going to be a blur. Yeah. As a duck blur.
0: <laughs> I'm looking up something because I am I'm prepping right now, but that hurts still. I want you to know that. I can. Feel <laughs> I want
1: you to know that. Hey, wait. Pain, pain.
2: Wait, 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 wait. Why don't cows wear flip flops? because they lactose. <laughs> I can feel the
1: vital energy leaving John's <laughs> body and being absorbed by Jamie's.
0: Yeah, this is the role that we have taken. Yeah, okay. okay. So,
2: I, we we didn't do it last podcast. One, we got to talk about a piece of media that we've been consuming that we were enjoying right did now. Did we not
0: talk about that last time? No, podcast? we skipped it last time. I think, I
2: think we ran out of time. That makes sense. Go I will ahead. say, I just finished Babel. The audiobook for *Babel* and *Babel* had been widely regarded as a front-runner for the um, Hugo Award for best fantasy book, sci-fi book for 2023, and it got snubbed. So, if you want information about all the drama that's going on there and people having to step down, some guy, a guy, got censured off of the the Hugo boards, and two guys had to step down. And this oh, whole drama, yeah because um, the author of Babel is a uh, Chinese expat and the Hugo Awards were hosted in China this year and a lot of people are calling foul and one of Neil Gaiman's um, episodes of Sandman that was supposed to get it award got snubbed and a whole bunch of drama going on there but Babel itself great great read great listen um it's man there's so much going on and it's about um, uh, these kids going to oxford in the age of kind of the early part of the age of steam
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and everything in the book um, deals with the translation of languages from one language to another and the the kind of the basic concept is there is power in the translation between the two terms and um they can actually almost cast kind of limited like magic based on taking a word from one language and moving it to another language and the power generated between them it's really really fascinating concept uh and a great book kind of almost like an anti-empire book so i really enjoyed it
1: i i feel very targeted by this overlap of concepts i i I I got some tingles from that. That sounds really interesting. It's going on my to-read. I was needing a new thing to read.
0: Yeah. There it is. What are you reading, watching, or listening to right now, Jesse?
1: Um, A few different things. Um, you know, I watched a movie recently, and I really enjoyed it, and then I forgot.
0: Um, oh, excellent. That's that a great I, story. What
1: it was. Yeah, great story. You know what I was watching the other day, actually, was um, Record of Lodos War. Ooh, classic. Uh, yeah. The, uh, I think, 90s To ova Uh, i haven't watched the tv series version but my friends who really like lodos war have mostly told me that it's not great Um, but the ova uh, if it can almost feel a little passe now because of how um inundated we are with adaptations of DD actual plays and stuff things like critical role are really popular but if you love 80s and 90s anime styling uh you can go watch the original actual play because uh lodos war is a series that is based on a real D campaign uh, from the 80s in japan and uh actual plays have always been really popular in japan actually a lot of rpgs will have a large dedicated section to actual play scripts uh, to give you an idea of how the game plays um so wrote war got turned into novel series and then got anime run and it is definitely neat watching like Watching it and going like, oh, I see what I see what role you had to make there. I see what you yeah. failed at.
0: Uh it's the it's very much a bare bones D campaign. Yes. There is with all the other anime out there right now, everyone needs a hook, like, oh, I'm from a different world, and I brought a motorcycle with me in right. this fantasy land. No, this is literally just Classic. Classic D D role playing. Yes.
1: Like ironically, it's not an Isekai, whereas the DD Saturday morning cartoon that Jamie loves from his childhood is an isekai because it's about kids from our world ending up in
0: uh, a dnd setting right i um, love that no matter what happens jesse if you and i are on a podcast <laughs> it gets we <weed laughs> at least once and that is where we are right now
1: this is true um
0: have you started watching uh delicious in dungeon
1: no, someone mentioned to me that, uh, I think it's on Netflix, right, yeah, that there's an yeah. anime adaptation of that. Um, and, uh, Jamie, I remember you have the first volume of the
2: manga. Did you ever get around to Is that, that the one where they're cooking things Yeah. Out of the dungeon yeah. crawl? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, I read, I read that one. It was pretty fun. Yeah. They made it. They made an anime out of it. It is mm-hmm. on Netflix right
0: now. Oh, it is I didn't know that. It is very good. There, d- it's a studio that is known for their quality, and so all the food. In all fairness, I
2: thought I was actually buying d and D cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> I, I that. was wondering. I was like, "Wait,
0: Jamie has what?
2: Yeah, Jamie has that." Yeah. Accidents happen. Accidents sometimes. happen.
0: But no, yeah, it's been it's been a fun show. They, it's very low key. Like, there's some action and stuff, but it's very much like. Yeah, this is kind of how you cook, too. And uh, the concepts that they have and how monsters interact and can be used as a resource is just fascinating. I don't want to spoil anything for people that want to watch it, but it's worth your time.
2: Okay. Is that your media piece, or are you going to do something else? It is
0: not. Um, By the way, in in one episode, they eat... Oh, that studio trigger. Yeah, it is. Oh, okay. Um, By the way, in one of those episodes, they eat a suit of living armor. I'm not going to tell you how. But they do, and it makes sense, and it's kind of great. I didn't I'm, see it coming. I'm smiling. That's wonderful. Okay. Um, so the first thing I want to put out there is, uh, as many of you know, there's this platform called TikTok. Uh, and my first step is I want to give props to Spencer, who, yeah. store worker who has been doing a great job with the TikToks as of late for Red Raccoon Games. Uh, he is bringing a vibe to it that I think is unparalleled, and I'm glad to see it. However, there's only one other game store that I look forward to more on my TikTok feed than Red Raccoon's, and it's nothing against Red Raccoon. They just go all in for bits on this, and the it is called Good Games Morley. They're an Australian board game shop, and they have been coming up with some of the most clever, like, life as a board game shop skits that I have seen, so... Some of their more famous ones are uh, you versus the Bible. And so it's magic cards that you play the Bible and so they talk about, yep, yeah, alright, I play the Third Commandment and things along those lines. <laughs> okay. Uh, which is fantastic. Uh, they've done one where someone came in to rob the store and then also had to put in a pull list. So as they're robbing the store, they have to like try and get the cards done.
2: I saw that one. Yeah, that I was a good you sent one. me that one. I yeah. did
0: because they're good. And they just have a lot of Fun, weird. They, times. they tell the
2: robber, like, oh, no, that street date's not here yet. I can't give you that one. Exactly. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. yes.
0: Uh, there's another one where uh, one of the character, a person comes in and is like, I've just put in a pull list. Do you mind pulling the cards? And it's their inner monologue of, oh, obviously, this person pulling these cards is seeing the great synergies that I have in my game and how cost effective I am in choosing these cards for my <laughs> commander tech. And the person that's pulling the cards is like, it is the rhythm of the night. And it's just like singing in their head and could care less. And I'm like, I've been there. I know that. I'm sure that's happened. Um, they just do a fantastic job. They, they really buy in. So, again, that's Good Games morally, Morley, M-O-R-L-E-Y. Okay. So it's and, content uh, for both sides of the counter. Pretty
1: much. Yeah. It's
2: yeah, okay. great. It's uh, good stuff. Wait, I'm going to put on one more piece of media because I can't always stop. Violate I, I, these I, I, rules. I do. I like to break the rules that I set. Fourth wing. I saw your Facebook post. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I learned recently that there is a new genre of books called Romanticy.
0: Oh, that's what you've heard it called.
2: Yes. That's because my uh, three of my nieces knew exactly what this book was, and they were all in and all about the book. Um, I put on Facebook that my review of it is this is the Hunger Games meet Skinemax. Yes. And I was not prepared for things that happened because we had dragons and we've got backstabbing and training and we've got fighting and we've got, you know, all this stuff going on. And then we've got, oh, but I can't stop staring at his sensuous lips. And wait, where did, how did that fit in there? And then, yeah, it got spicy. I would like to make sure. It it looks like a young adult book. Folks, not not, young adult. No, no, no. Barely not x-rated right on the cusp, of if there were pictures, it would be an x-rated book. one if, of
0: one of our friends did research as we were talking about this with them and found out that another term for it is new adult literature. So it's not young adult literature. it's new young adult, adult literature that have grown up, mm. and now we can get to the the you know, the rated R. I I
2: just kept seeing it pop up on like these best of 2023 fantasy books and like and and I didn't I just saw the cover pop up in the Libby app from the library and I'm like sure I keep seeing that picture of that cover I'll give it a shot what the heck I need a book to read Ooh, I'm glad that since I was listening to the audiobook I am very happy that certain things did not happy when happen when Kelly was around or I would have to do some explaining Yep. I would like to make sure that everyone knows. Uh, Jamie listens to
1: audiobooks and does not own a Bluetooth headset, nope. or refuses to use it if he has one.
0: Everyone so, gets to read audiobooks y- when Jamie's yes, around.
1: Yeah, like if Jamie's listening to his audiobook, I'll hear him coming into the store, and he's it's still playing for a minute. Like, he's it's no headphones. Um, so. If if you're wondering like why is Jamie so concerned about what he has good reason no headphones. <laughs> good reason um, to be also, I did like how one of the comments on his post on on his Facebook post about it was uh, someone's like oh yeah no it's a good book. It for 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 com- comparison that's a two out of five on the horny scale. So like just so you know yep. it gets it gets more in other you know.
2: Yeah, somebody's like if you thought that was too much, do not read. <laughs> A Crown of Roses and Thorns, I think was the name of I it. I know
1: that series. I haven't read it. Yeah,
2: apparently that one's real spicy. So I did not ro- know that romanticy was a category of, of literature. There's a, That's new on me as
1: there's, well. Yeah, I haven't heard the term, but I yeah. mean, Yeah, Laura said it was
2: two, uh, that uh, people rate it with hot peppers. Yeah. And it was two out of five hot peppers. It's a popular genre, and there's. Here's what I uh, need to yeah. say I feel like
0: what goes on there is pretty spicy for two humans. But the problem is with this new romanticy version, it doesn't always involve just two humans. And I feel like that raises like human on human, I would say it's four spicy, but knowing the other creatures in the worlds that sometimes these books go to, I can see why a four of normal human is a two in romanticy. John,
1: I literally was just thinking, I don't know how to have that part of this discussion with with terms. The technical terms are not things I can say on this podcast.
0: Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So,
2: yes. So measure
0: for, yourself accordingly.
2: Well, that happened too. Yeah, it's it's a
1: fascinating it's a fascinating thing.
2: It's where we are. I, I think I'm going back to lit RPG books. You know, I, I think that's a safer area. Oh, that yes. is such a.
1: That's such an interesting thing because I've always assumed that those, I've always assumed that those probably have the same licentious kind of content, honestly, because they tend to be no. those sort of isekai-ish kind of like wish fulfillment, you know. You no, know.
2: not so far. Not the ones that I've been picking nope, up. You no, know, nope. Jamie likes yeah. the
1: lit RPG stuff. Okay, John, do we t- give Jamie dot hack or .sword out online to watch?
0: I can't do that to Jamie. Jamie is too good of a friend. I Because one of these is...
1: Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give a, a room temperature take here. One of these is a better thing, but the other one's more accessible.
0: Yeah. Let's take this off air. I that's feel right. like that's a whole other podcast that we can have.
2: <laughs> uh, but on that note... Is it going to be for the next episode of Red Wrecking Radio? Nights. Nights. Just Nights. all about anime. We
0: could do that. We could do that uh and with that our episode comes to a close i'd like to thank jamie and jesse for joining me today and if you want a chance to talk to them about your tabletop or anything else that suits you because apparently this podcast goes all over the place you can come on down to rhetoric and games located in downtown bloomington illinois thank you jillian mesner for the use of our theme music and feel free to tell us how we're doing by adding a comment to the podcast of your choice throw a rating on there if you really want to that's be nice of you but it's not required. We just like having you around. Uh, you can also email us at info at redrackoongames.net. Com. Dot com. com. Dot com. Oh, sorry. I thought com. we... <laughs> no, it... I read the post. and fine. I couldn't remember <laughs> which was which. It's dot com. And uh, throw the word podcast in the subject line, so we know. What to and we've look got right. a
2: Discord channel just called Podcast. We do
0: podcast yeah. discussion. Yeah. is what this one it's, is called. of yeah, our active
1: channels. It's
0: true. We have quite a few people, and when we badmouth people, they go on there and say things. So apparently, we're just going to start badmouthing more people. Tony. Hi, Tony.
2: <laughs> we love you. Hey, Tony. Also, uh, I just give a shout out to any store owners that are listening because I also um, through. So I'm in a Facebook group called Opening a Game Store and usually giving advice and helping people there and making sure people have the right take on stuff as well. And since we talk about so many things that are relevant to how running a game store is and game store perspectives, I threw the podcast link out there like, hey, I don't know if you guys are interested. We know a lot of game stores listen to us already. Um, Most of them were my friends, though. And so I, uh, I threw it out there like if you're interested in you hear what it's like and the kind of stuff that we talk about when you, we're actually running a game store, of how we look at things in the news articles that are out there. So we might have gotten some new viewers, new listeners in the last couple of episodes. Um, so if any of you are new, uh, feel free to pop into the Discord or shoot us an email or let us know if you have any questions.
0: Or suggestions. We're trying to take those as well.
2: Yes, I tried to do a much better job of staying near the microphone I today. I think he did a
0: much better job. We're gonna find out in the post.
2: Don't you worry. I did I was looking at headsets that hook in XLR like that. Ooh, that's a spicy meatball to buy those.
0: I know we the, the cheap ones were
2: three hundred and fifty bucks for one headset. Yeah. Is that a
1: three out of five on the spicy meter or
2: <laughs> Well the five, well, there was nine hundred dollar headsets that were out there. So that's probably the five out of five.
0: Holy cow, Jamie, you weren't lying. Um we Our last episode, I was just checking our metrics since you said that. Uh, our last episode got 110 views in hmm. the first month. That might be a record. That might have beaten the Ben Rossett episode. Wow. And, yeah, yeah normally we're, we we hover around like 70 to 80, 50 if we've just switched something up. But, no, that's, that's some good numberage. Okay. Yeah, and it all came on February 1st. Is that when you –
2: Probably about then.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, thank you, new listeners, and we're excited to have you.
2: Yeah, yeah, we're getting better. We're doing this. We're doing a thing.
0: We're doing a thing. All right. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great one. Bye. folks.